0: Welcome to the Colby Daniels Podcast, presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products, including Kratom, CBD, or Delta 8. If you're looking for something to help with pain, anxiety, or just an opioid alternative, Artisan Botanicals has what you're looking for, and we're saving you 15% off your order when you order online. Company.com, discount code COLBYSHOW to save 15% off your online order once again at abotanicalcompany.com artisan botanicals in Midwest City. My weekly Thursday guest is Will Brewer. Twice in one week Will Brewer, you are uh, you're haunting my dreams, my friend. You're leading by 9. I'm having to talk to you twice in a week with a 9 point lead.
1: This is just brutal for me. I mean, it may be brutal for you, but <laughs> isn't it just good to see my smiling face with a nine-point lead? Like, it's just great, man.
0: <laughs> oh, things have really taken a turn for the worse in the last month. I had a six-point lead like a month ago. This thing it has drastically turned around in a short amount of time.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I told you, man, I went to the war room. You know, I had to, you know, dig into the chest and try to see what was wrong. And now we're here. Now we got a nine-point lead.
0: It's a uh, it's a very Charles Oliveira-like experience for you, right? You started out struggling. You were hit and miss for a while, and now you're on a pretty nice streak.
1: Yeah, you know, that's the perfect way to put it, you know, and, and now I'm just getting second-round TKOs and submission victories here and there, man. I'm just getting finishes. Yeah. I'm, I'm feeling great. <laughs> yeah,
0: and uh, I, I think my, my year has kind of been Tony Ferguson-like, you know, if you're going to encapsulate that whole thing, like, I'm, right. I'm, you know, I've, I, I, I was winning week after week after week after week. I should have just been claimed the champion I was winning so much. <laughs> it never happened. And now I'm, you know, I've lost like three in a row. So.
1: Yeah, but, you know, just like Tony Ferguson said, you're not going to retire. Ch- Champ shit only. <laughs> yeah, I'm pissed now, he said, right? <laughs> yeah, he's pissed now. So I'm sure that's what you're going into this week with. So let's do it. <laughs> What do you make
0: of somebody losing the way that he's lost, especially the last two fights, and coming back with "I'm pissed now"? Like,
1: shouldn't you have already been pissed, like after like the first loss, after that beating you took? But I mean, I guess that just goes to show like his heart and how like how tough he is. But like, yeah. if you weren't already pissed, man, like there's got to be some sort of a problem with that because you lose um, to Gaethje. That next fight, if you weren't already pissed, you should have went into that Olivera fight just extremely pissed because you got completely demolished for five rounds against Gaethje. You should have went into that Olivera fight with a chip on your shoulder. You get dominated, and then now you go into this Darius fight. If that, if those two fights didn't piss you off, then this fight should have definitely pissed you off. Yeah. And then, you know, he gets dominated again. So, like, I guess now after getting dominated for the last 12 rounds or however many rounds it's been, he's pissed off. So. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I uh, I pulled up the rankings today, the newest rankings on UFC.com to see what they did with Tony Ferguson this week because I thought that was going to be really intriguing and maybe telling about um, what kind of opponent Tony Ferguson gets next. He only dropped a spot, Will. He only went from five to six. So the wow. names right now above Tony Ferguson are Charles Oliveira, Dustin Poirier, Justin Gaethje, Benil Dariush. Michael Chandler and Conor McGregor. Obviously, he's not getting one of those names. We kind of had the conversation on Monday, like, where do you go with Tony Ferguson? Does he get a ranked opponent? I'm looking at the guys below him. Um, I I don't know what makes a lot of sense. There, There are some killers that are currently not ranked in that division as well that I think would be incredibly dangerous. But the one name that kind of stands out to me, and look, I think when you talk about both of these guys, toughness is probably the first thing that comes to mind. And at the same time, I think both of these guys are are probably on the back end of their careers as well. So maybe this fight makes a lot of sense. How do you feel about Tony Tony Ferguson Paul Felder as the next matchup yeah. at one fifty five?
1: As you were um, kind of describing the the matchup, I was I knew that's where you were going with it. And I mean, right away, that's a really fun matchup. Uh, both these guys are tough; they're so tough. Uh, Paul Felder, he he beat, uh, I forget who he beat the guy uh, with, but he had like a, a a collapsed lung or something like that. Beat a guy with a, with a collapsed lung, which was incredible. Tony Ferguson, we know how tough he is. He's shown it over his last three fights. And I think just the matchup, two fan favorites. I mean, that fight kind of sells itself. We know what kind of fight it will be. Both these guys will show uh, a, a tremendous amount of heart. Um, I think that's a great fight. It kind, of,
0: it kind of puts both of them back in, the, in a fighting style, I think, against each other that allows both of them to kind of show off their best skills. I think, uh, again, you're able to maybe really project one of those guys forward off of that fight because they're both monster names in that division. Um, and, and look, I think neither one of those guys is ever going to shy away from a war, and, and I think that's, that's the kind of fight it would be.
1: Absolutely. Uh, it's going to be war like just to think of the wars that Felder has been in. Just uh, Dan Hooker, RDA, uh, that RDA fight was a war. He took that fight on however many days notice, like four days notice, something crazy like that. And he's uh, he's always game. And we know what Tony Ferguson brings to the table. But I, I just tend to wonder with how Ferguson's been looking, like even though uh Felder's going to be game, he's going to be game for a war. You know, we know how much he likes the war, but. It's been so easy to take Tony Ferguson down and Paul Felder, I mean, he's no slouch with his grappling, so Paul Felder might just revert to the takedowns just like Benil and Charles Oliveira did and just go away from the war and just get a decision win uh just like those guys did.
0: Yeah, it's it's certainly possible. Um I don't know. I, I kind of I kind of feel like the 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 place that both of those guys are at in their career, um I kind of feel like they would be looking to not only to get a win, but to get some traction with a win. So I, I don't know, maybe you could be right. I, I, I wouldn't rule that out, but I feel like, uh, you know, you, you, you take that fight maybe with the understanding, like this is the kind of fight that, uh, that everybody wants to see. I don't know. Um, if you don't go that route, like who do you give him? Who do you give him that you can guarantee? It's not a, a takedown fe- fest. Cause like, here's the thing right now, that's not the fight that Tony Ferguson needs. You know, we've seen right. it twice. We've seen him completely dominated twice on the ground. And look, Benil Dariush isn't isn't you know one of the the best grapplers in the division by any means. He's good, but you know he's not, uh he's not one of these guys that is you know the the how to on on the ground game. So I don't know what you do with him.
1: I think it just depends on how far you want to uh, go down uh, for his next opponent. Um, I mean, Felder, I think Felder's what, he's probably nine or 10 right now. So that wouldn't nine. be too far yep. off. So if Ferguson still wants to compete at the top 10 with the best, I feel like that's the perfect fight for him. But, you know, if he wants to, uh, have a fight that kind of gets him back on track. I remember we talked about, uh, Alex Hernandez, uh, that would be a fun fight. Maybe even, um, the Drew Dober, Brad Verdell winner. Uh, that would be a fun fight. Both both, both of those guys will will stand and in, in trade. So I feel like both um, of those guys
0: are just so physical on the ground, though. I I think you're getting into the same problem that that we've seen from him in the last two fights.
1: Yeah, true. Um, well, with 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 that being said, how about said, Diego like, Fajada? Maybe, well, I mean, I, I watched him uh, dominate Anthony Pettis on the ground, so yeah. it's like where. Yeah, <laughs> like all these guys at lightweight are kind of just like well-rounded. That's why this right. division is so loaded Like it's hard to like pick a really good stylistic matchup for Tony uh, A guy who's just gonna go out there and stand and trade with them. I mean, I guess maybe if uh, Nate Diaz loses maybe um, You put those two guys in there because you know, they're basically the same type of fighter I mean outside of that. I mean, yeah. I don't really know who's gonna just stand and trade with them
0: Yeah I don't know. It's it's an interesting conversation, and, you know, we talked about this on Monday. I, you got to just, you got to feel horrible for the way that things went with Tony Ferguson as far as when he was at his peak and when he had those opportunities to potentially fight for the undisputed 155 belt, and it just never came to fruition. Obviously, you know, he won an interim title at one point, but he never got that big stage, uh, and then, you know, he didn't have to take the Gaethje fight, but he took it anyway, and... You know, that was five rounds of just getting beat to a pulp, it felt like. Uh, and now it just doesn't feel like he's quite the same guy. So, we'll see what happens. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I, that, that division is just, there's not, there's no easy fights in any division. But that division is so deep, it's so loaded, and it's full of guys that can beat you in so many ways. I mean, full of just killers in, in multiple ways. You know, it's not just one-path type finishers.
1: Right. Like, like we talk about the, the one to 15 and like even the guys under 15, like they should be in the top 15. But they're just not because the division is so loaded. And all of these guys, like you said, they're so well-rounded. There's they can beat you in so many different ways. And I mean, Tony's the same way. Like Tony can beat you with his stand up. He can beat you with his volume. He can beat you on the ground with his submissions. But people have just been really shown that hole in his game with his takedown defense. And I mean, before he was willing to go to that, to to be taken down because he was so good on the ground, like he would uh, cut you with his elbows and he would trap you in submissions. Like Kevin Lee is a great wrestler and he got Tony down pretty easily, but Tony made it so hard on him whenever he would get the fight to the ground that he ended up uh, caught in a triangle. So Tony's always been good with that, but now people, there's, he's fighting higher level. Like Benil's good on the ground and he's got submissions. Charles Oliveira, he's got submissions as well. While Kevin Lee's just kind of going to take you down, try to ground and pound you. Uh, Tony, he's very active, and now he's right. running into guys who who do that uh, on the ground, plus the submissions, and it's it's tougher for him with that.
0: Well, what we've seen out of the last two guys on the ground, it's yes, they have submissions, but at the same time, they've really smothered him on the ground. So. You know, I think I think if you give Tony Ferguson some space on the ground to operate and you try to ground and pound and you're not just laying on top of him and he has the ability to move, then I think you see a different version of the guy. But what we've seen is guys just lay on him and, and be heavy on him, and that's kind of drained his gas ta- tank, I think, to a degree. And um, it, it, he's just not responded in nearly the same way.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, and it's crazy to say because – Like, for all these fights, that whole 12-fight win streak, like, his cardio was one of the things that made him special. And, you know, now we're seeing him get drained in these fights, and you wonder, is it, you know, is it because he's getting older or is it because, you know, these guys are just that good on the ground? Uh, Whatever the case is, it's just sad to see um, a guy who is just so close to getting that uh, undisputed title, a guy who really, on paper, is one of the greatest lightweights ever. Absolutely. But he just never became a UFC champion, never had a chance to fight for the undisputed title, even though he should have had it uh, however many times. Um, but, you know, the whole thing with Khabib and, you know, it's just sad, man. Yeah,
0: for sure. Speaking of 155, how do you feel about the Islam-Mahashev matchup against Thiago Moises?
1: Now, we we were trying to book, like, how we thought the the lightweight, you know, matchups were going to go and everything. But... We thought, you know, Islam won his last fight against Drew Dover pretty easily. And we thought for sure he's going to get a top 10 guy or a top 12 guy. Nobody in the top 15 wanted any parts of this man. So he's fighting an unranked guy. He's yeah. having to go backwards just to get a fight. Well, by the and, way, Tiago
0: uh, Moises, I think, took this fight. So with, every, with them claiming now a champion and everybody moving up in the rankings, there was a vacancy in the top 15, and they slotted uh, Moises there. So...
1: As oh, of now, from, Tiago
0: Moisés now is number fifteen at, at 155.
1: Well, um, wow, that's maybe crazy. that's what uh, it took I'm to gonna... get
0: to you know to get somebody to agree. Like, hey, we'll give you a ranking if you. I'm kidding, yeah. obviously, but yeah.
1: I mean, I mean, maybe so. <laughs> I mean, you never know. I mean, Islam has been so dominant, and like we kind of know, like he comes from the same campus. Could be he's undefeated. Now, um, you know, you know, Khabib's 29 and 0. We we kind of see the same type of traits in Islam. Yeah. So these guys who are wanting to keep their ranking in such a talent rich stat division, they're not going to want to go against a guy like Islam where the the risk of losing all of that is just so, so great. Um, yeah, Moises looked good in his last fight with, with Hernandez. But, you know, Islam is just like a, he's a different beast, man. Great. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that Islam's going to uh, get in a fight, but I mean, I would have liked to see him fight a, a top 10 guy. Pretty soon, uh, I mean, it's it's going to be uh, unavoidable. Like, these guys are going to have to get in there with Islam. But for now, they're still like, ah, he hasn't done enough. But pretty soon, right. th- I mean, they're not going to be able to avoid him.
0: I, I think he's there, to be honest with you. Um, I, This one will probably be the punctuation mark on his rise. But, you know, there have been multiple outlets over the last week that have said everybody's turning him down for a fight. And I think even Dariush mentioned it uh, in his post-fight press conference about who the top guys are. And he mentioned that Islam is one of the top guys at 155, but nobody wants any part of him. Uh, and I don't blame him. I, there's, I mean, I, I literally, I'm not saying that Islam is the best at 155, but I don't see where there's a good matchup against him. You know what I mean?
1: Right, right. The Like, when you think of the styles and just how smothering he is, I mean, like I said, it reminds you of Khabib. And yeah. we know how how dominant that Khabib was with his grappling. And Islam is even showing um, really, really solid stand-up. So, I mean, just like you said, like stylistically, none of these guys really match up well with him. So when you're offered a guy like Islam versus a guy who's more stylistically yeah. uh, preferable for you, you're going to pick the other guy. You're not absolutely. going to pick an Islam where, uh, where there's a disadvantage, a huge disadvantage in the grappling area. Right.
0: Yeah. Uh, I love that division. Uh, we finally have a champion. Um, we talked about this a little bit on Monday, but I think the longer I, I kind of chew on it, the the more I just I, – I absolutely believe the winner of Poirier McGregor will get the title shot next. Um, I definitely think the way to go with uh, – with Gaethje is either Darius or Michael Chandler. Um, once again, the great thing about Michael Chandler is you can do pretty much anything you want to do with him. You have so much versatility in matchmaking because he's only fought Dan Hooker and Charles Oliveira. So basically, the entire top 10 is open to Michael Chandler. So, I don't know. I kind of feel like they're going to they're gonna try and, and warp speed uh, Gaethje and maybe Darius as a, a, an eliminator. They'll give, you know, Poirier-McGregor winner the next opportunity, and Chandler's probably going to have to just take another matchup somewhere, you know, beyond that and win that to kind of, like, get back into the small circle.
1: Man, look, the more that I think about a Gaethje and Michael Chandler matchup, the more, like... I love that I feel matchup. like that's... I love that matchup. Like, that matchup should have been the matchup from the beginning, but, like, this, just the whole lightweight uh, title picture. Like, it was just tough to tr- just get two guys in there because there's so many deserving guys. Like, we knew, like, one person was going to get screwed and it looked like it was going to be Gaethje. Yeah. Um, But that Gaethje-Chandler matchup, just the violence that's going to be inflicted in that matchup, like, there's just no other way to go. But then you bring Benil into the picture, and you're just like, ah. Yeah. Gaethje and Benil Darius, like, that's, like, equally a, a amount of violence right there. Yeah. So. Man, you can go You can go many ways with that. I mean, I still want to see Gaethje and Michael Chandler, but I wouldn't be mad at all if it was uh, Gaethje and Benil Darius. I,
0: I think as far as making the best fight, Chandler-Gaethje would be the one I would want to see. But in terms of trying to play the chess game with the entire division and, and make the thing work, to me it just makes more sense to maybe pull Chandler out of that top group for the moment. Give him, I mean, because again, you just... He's going to get back there. We all agree that Michael Chandler is one of the best 155ers there is. There's just not, you know, and he just fought for the belt. There's too many deserving guys that you kind of have to go through before you can give it to Michael Chandler again. I was asked today, actually, uh, by a friend of mine, how I would feel about a Charles Oliveira, Michael Chandler rematch. Dude, I would love the fight. Like, that was, for as long as that thing lasted, that was as entertaining as any fight we've seen recently. I would love to watch it again. But, like, once again, when you consider what that division is and all these other guys that are sitting around waiting on, you know, how this thing's going to play out, like, you can't tell me that, that there is a single person at 155 that deserves a title shot over Dustin Poirier. And especially if Poirier beats McGregor again. M- McGregor's the biggest sports name in the world. I don't know if you saw the Forbes list, but M- McGregor made more money last year than any athlete on planet earth. So if McGregor wins, of course, he's going to headline a 155 title fight. Like it, it just, uh, you're not going to, you're not going to sideline Connor McGregor and what he brings for the sport from a, a, a eyeball standpoint. And then you have Justin Gaethje who only isn't in this situation because he lost to the guy. In the his in in Habib in his final title fight, like you just can't make the point to me that you could put Michael Chandler in front of those guys in the line when he just had his opportunity and the guy has two fights in the UFC. Like I would love to see the fight, but there's no way you can realistically make that argument.
1: Right, man. Like Michael Chandler, um, while what he did, like saying yes to everything, that's that's why he got the title fight. Like. He had a great debut against Dan Hooker. Uh, everything went perfect for him, uh, but he said yes to everything that Dana White asked of him. Uh, can you be the backup fighter? Will you fight this guy on this day? Will you fight this guy on that day? He said yes to everything, and that and that paid off for him. And he and that got him the title shot. Uh, not saying that he wasn't deserving because he was, but um, now you know he has to go back. You know, not even to the back of the line, but you know there's other guys like Dustin Poirier. Like, I wouldn't have been mad if the title just would have been awarded to Dustin Poirier because out of everyone, he's the guy who was on the winning streak, beat Conor McGregor. Like, we even said, like, Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier, when Khabib uh, gave up the title, that fight shouldn't just be for the title. Like, nobody would have had a problem with that. But, um, like, there's no one more deserving than Dustin Poirier in that division right now, uh, especially if he wins. Like, there's no other way to go. I mean, even if Dustin Poirier says, like, I don't want the title fight, like, you're gonna have to force him to get the title fight. Like there's no, there's no yeah. other way to go. If Dustin wins this fight, it's got to be Oliveira and Poirier. And then, like you said, like Conor McGregor is the biggest star in the sport. Uh, he draws all the eyeballs. If he wins this fight, that puts him right back in the contention for the title. And um, so the Poirier McGregor winner gets the title fight. But you know, Gaethje yeah. and Chandler, they both coming off li- uh, title fight losses. Put those guys together. And you still have a murderer's row with everyone else. Even with those guys in the title picture, there's still Dan Hooker, there's still Paul Felder, there's still Tony Ferguson, there's still a a whole bunch of guys there. Used for Michael Chandler and all these guys to fight. Yeah, yeah.
0: I think that uh, I think the odd man in this thing is going to be Michael Chandler. And look, I'm a Michael Chandler fan. Um, I I absolutely believe that he will be a world champion at this. Like, I I believe that. I think there there are several guys. Like right now, I believe at some point. Gechi might wear that belt. I believe Poirier is going to wear that belt. I believe Chandler is going to wear that belt. Um, but again, I think when you just consider like he got that opportunity in this stack division and unfortunately it didn't go his way. I think you just, you have to kind of let it cycle through. And once again, because there's so much flexibility from a matchmaking standpoint with him in this top 10, because he's not been around and not faced a lot of these guys like, so, you know, some of these guys have already faced each other. So Um, you just, I think it makes more sense to, to pull, maybe pull him out of that four man mix right now and, and give him another fight and let, let a couple fights happen and then, then put him right back in it.
1: But then there's that Dana White privilege, right? Like Tony Ferguson was saying at the presser, like there's that Dana White privilege. Like if you say yes, as many times as Michael Chandler has said, yes. I mean, I just don't, I just don't know for sure if they'll completely take him out of the title picture. I feel like they'll want to give him a fight that will put him right back in it. Yeah. That's why I feel like it'll be Gaethje and Chandler, but I, like I said, I wouldn't be mad at, at Gaethje I, and Dariush. That's, Darryu, that's the that's, fight I want
0: to see. I, I promise you that. That's the fight I want to see.
1: Both of those fights are, are strictly violent. Like, yeah. I mean, no matter where it goes, on the ground, on the feet, like that fight's going to be violent, both of those fights.
0: I want, I, I want five rounds of, of that as well. If they're going to do Leon, Nate, non-title fight, a five-rounder, then... Michael Chandler, Justin Gaethje, absolutely deserves five rounds.
1: Absolutely, uh, if it's on a dude that um, could headline a pay per view. Honestly, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, with, with what Justin Gaethje did to Tony Ferguson over five rounds, like he could easily do that same thing to Michael Chandler, and we've seen what Michael Chandler can, can do. I mean, he doesn't go backwards. Like this guy, as short as he is, he's completely pursuing these guys. Dan Hooker's got what five six inches on him, and he was in his face. He was in Charles Oliveira's face. Like, that's the type of fighter that he is. He's yeah. going to be in your face. No matter how much of a threat that Justin Gaethje is on the feet, Michael Chandler is going to be in his face.
0: I think those are the two scariest stand-up finishers in the scariest division in the sport. So,
1: Absolutely. 100%. Yeah.
0: yeah. And then, you know, you still have RDA sitting there. Uh, you still have, you know, Dan Hooker right behind him. Uh, you still have, you know, we just talked about what happens with Islam eventually. Uh, after his Thiago Moises uh, matchup, and and then you know back to the original question, what happens with Tony Ferguson? So, God, I love 155. All right, uh, a couple of other big fight announcements uh, at 185. How about Darren Till and uh, Derek Brunson? What does this fight do for you?
1: Well, um, I think it's just another opportunity for Darren Till. Like they want, I really feel like they want to get Israel Adesanya and Darren Till. Uh, they want that that fight. 1,000%. Uh, because Darren Till, outside of Israel, is probably the biggest name in that division. And you put those guys together, that's the biggest fight that you can probably make in terms of um, the the fans, right? So, And it would be a striking war. Um, but, you know, Derrick Brunson's looked good. He's beaten these young guys, uh, Kevin Holland, Edmund Shabazian. He's really uh, made a good name for himself. He's made the proper adjustments in his game where he's not so reckless. Uh, he goes out there and just gets the job done. He fights really smart now. Yeah. Um, so I mean, um, stylistically, this fight—it's it, a fun fight. Um, I think uh, Darren Till definitely has the advantage on, on the on the feet, um, but Derek Brunson always has that takedown threat. So it'll be interesting to see.
0: Yeah. Um, Derek Brunson's kind of the the Curtis Blades of that division, right? Like. I I don't know how many people really are like Derek Brunson fans because you know, the, his style of fighting isn't necessarily like the sexiest out there, but um, look, if he gets you down, like he's a, he's a massive problem. My, my biggest question is like, how, how good is Darren Till's takedown defense?
1: Oh man. Um, yeah, that, that is a really fair question. I mean, we haven't really seen him in a situation to be taken down like that. Like, you would have thought like that Kevin Gaston would have got him down because he's such a accomplished wrestler, but that was more of a, of a striking battle. Right. Um, and then uh, he fought Rob and that was just a war. That was just uh, five rounds of just who wants it more. And uh, both of those guys made a good, made a good showing for themselves. So I think this one, we're really, really going to get to see like where Darren Till's takedown defense is at, at middleweight. Like we saw uh, at welterweight, he was just really, he was really bigger than everyone. So I don't think we really saw much of Darren Till on the ground. I mean, I know Woodley got him down, but Woodley's probably the only guy who could probably match um, Darren Till when it comes to size.
0: I'm trying to remember, was that fight on the ground much before it got to the finish?
1: The Woodley fight? Yeah. No, the first round was... was, I feel like I remember
0: it being mostly stand-up until, yeah, until, like, the final sequence.
1: Yeah, it was it was all stand up in the first round and then Woodley cracked him at the beginning of the second round and then basically uh got him out of there after yeah. that. So we haven't really seen Till um, really we haven't really seen Till's takedown defense much in the UFC. So Derek yeah. is gonna test that for sure.
0: Absolutely. And and look, I you know, th- I think if he can, I, he'll. I think he'll win this easily if he can. If he can keep from getting taken down, but if he gets taken down, you know that's where I think this is anybody's ball game. So uh, I, I don't know how good. Again, we just we've not seen it that much, so I don't know. A, how good the takedown defense is. B, how good he would be once he does get to the ground. Uh, but we know that Derek Brunson's a mauler. Once he gets you on the ground, it's it's uh, not the easiest thing to to fight through. So I'm with you though. I think. Uh, they're trying to lay the red carpet for Darren Till to get to, to the champ.
1: Right. It's it's kind of like the Conor McGregor factor, right? Like he's such a yeah. Conor such a big star. He gets one win, he's uh, gonna fight for the title. It's the same thing with Till here. They see um, what type of matchup that they could have with Israel and Darren Till. They could put that in Australia. They could put that in in England. You know, when the when the, the world opens up um, and everything. So. They see that type of um, star power that Darren Till has, and so if he gets a win, a big win like this against a top-five guy, they're just going to have him wait for the, for the championship for sure. Yeah.
0: The other big fight at 185 that was announced last week was Paulo costa Jared Cannonier. I, I love this matchup.
1: Yeah, man, this fight uh, this fight is a really fun fight. Paulo Costa is coming off of that that, big, that bad knockout against Izzy, Izzy and Jared Cannonier is coming off that fight with Robert Whitaker. I mean, both of these guys have something to prove. They're both still right there at the top of the division. Uh, one win for, for them could put them right back in title contention. But, um, you know, I'm not sure. You know, Rob is next for the title shot after right. after Tory and uh, Adesanya fight. Rob's next. And then if Darren Till wins, he's probably going to get a title shot. I feel like with this fight, this is going to be the winner of this fight. They're going to have to fight another one like absolutely these two, guys, yeah. these two guys are going to be the ones like at 155 who's that guy that's going to get royally screwed not to say that they're that they're being screwed but the winner of this fight for sure is gonna to have to find another one I almost feel
0: like because we already know that uh, Whitaker's next so you, you've got Izzy Vittori which is next month's pay-per-view uh, and then after that it's Robert Whitaker I think even even if Darren Till wins I think he may be another fight away from potentially getting that opportunity. So I almost wonder if it's Darren Till versus if Darren Till win, maybe it's Brunson Till winner versus Costa Cannoneer winner.
1: That makes a lot of sense because I I do think these fights like what, like a week or two weeks apart. So like um they're both just in line with each yeah. other. Um while the the UFC would really want to give Darren Till that title shot with Robert Whitaker waiting in the wings, like you can't give Till a title shot over Robert Whitaker. Right. Because he's very, very deserving. So um yeah, if Darren Till wins and uh the winner of this of uh um Costa and Cannoneer, that's that's perfect. I think Till versus guys, either yeah. one of
0: those guys would be a fun matchup, honestly. The the Till oh, yeah. Cannoneer matchup, I mean at that point, if they both win, they would both have three total fights. At 185, right? Cannoneer came down, Till came up. Right now, they're both one and one in that division overall. Uh, so, you know, that would both of them winning would put them both at two and one in the division. I think that would make a ton of sense. And then, I mean, I, I think when you just think of Paulo Costa and the stand up wars that he's been in and how just technically gifted Darren Till is from a stand up, you know, it, it I, that stylistically makes, I mean, all the sense in the world as far as just being a fun
1: fight. Yeah, both of those fights. Like we know, even though Darren Till is such a star, he brings it on fight night. Uh, he will be in these guys' face, pursuing them, uh, and then Paulo Costa the same way. Jared Cannonier's the same way. Um, and then even if Brunson wins, um, it's still a fun fight. There's still there's going to be more um, skills that's going to be added in with Brunson's takedown. We're going to see like no one's really trying to take down Paulo Costa like that, and uh, Cannonier hasn't really been tested on the ground when it comes to uh, 185 yet. Um, like, Jerry Cananera used to be a heavyweight. Paulo Costa looks like a heavyweight. So <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so not many guys really want to test them uh, when it comes to the grappling. Uh, but Derek Munson for sure, would bring that challenge to them.
0: Yeah. Um, are you are you prepared to not have a fight card next weekend?
1: Oh, um, man, to be honest with you, I didn't even know that we were Mem- going to have a fight We have card Memorial
0: next. Day off in the UFC, so... It's uh, look it, we we've been so spoiled over the last like year and a half basically, uh, or however long it's been um, with like literally fight card every single week and maybe here or there you know they've taken a week off but I mean they've delivered in such a big way uh, but yeah no no uh, no UFC card next weekend for Memorial Day weekend and then they'll return with the uh, Rosen Strike Sakai main event card on June fifth.
1: Well, one, I didn't know that Rosenstrike and Sakai were fighting, and for that to be a main event, Whew, UFC? What are we doing? But I guess, I guess, I'm going to really want to see that fight after this uh, week off because I'm just going to be missing the fights. But that's that's you know, probably
0: like, the perfect place to put it, right? You have right <laughs> you have all of your fans like feening for a fight card after not having it for a weekend, and then you don't you you're not going to complain about what you're getting.
1: Exactly. Absolutely. But like I always say, uh, when they have these breaks, um, like, the UFC deserves it, putting on these uh, these fights every week. Uh, the, the production, uh, Dana White and all his team, you know, they deserve some time, you know, enjoy Memorial Day with your families. Um, you know, us fans, were spoiled. We have stuff to talk about and cover every week, but, you know, now, uh, for the families and uh, for all these fighters and everyone, just, you know, take some time, take a break, but you know, and then they they're gonna come back in June with the with that big pay per view and uh, yeah. a bunch of good fights. So they deserve it, man. It's
0: it's the curse and blessing of this sport, right? You don't you don't really have an off season, but like at the same time, you know, because timing plays such an important role in some of these like divisions and and the matchups that you can you can put out there. You know, that can be the frustrating part of the sport, but. You know, you, like when football season ends, you don't get it for six months. Uh, whereas, you know, with this, you never have a break like that. Like, it's, you know, you're, you're always trucking forward, and especially over the last year, it, it's just seemingly every single weekend. I mean, there was a point last year, Will, where we were getting those Wednesday night fights, right?
1: Right. So it was like Saturday
0: yeah. night, Wednesday, Saturday night. You're just like, yeah, bring it all. Bring yeah. it all to me. <laughs> I'm, I'm loving every minute of it.
1: Like three fight I cards remember-
0: in an eight-day, like, stretch
1: right like I remember like at the beginning of the pandemic I was so excited I mean of course that first fight card with uh Gaethje and Ferguson that yeah. was, that one was what it was but I was equally as excited to see Walt Harris and Alistair Overeem <laughs> on that Wednesday card yeah like, that, I mean I was equally as excited to see that one than I was at for UFC 249 I was equally excited to see Glover Teixeira and Anthony Smith absolutely so like, you were talking about the the NFL's offseason. Like, bro, could you imagine if the UFC had an oh. offseason? <laughs> could you imagine if, if the UFC ended on um, Memorial Day and didn't come back until September, Labor Day, after Labor Day or something like that? Like, that would be incredibly insane. Um, yeah. I couldn't even imagine. I don't know what I'd do if there was no fights. Like, it would be tough. Like, I remember the whole break in between the Max Holloway and Calvin Cater fight. Remember, that was like a three-week.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, Lowell. Yeah. So, man, it was crazy. And then I was so excited for Max and Calvin Cater. I was we, just like, yeah. Yeah, we
0: had that massive card, like, I think it was, like, right before Christmas uh, that ended up being headlined by, because um, it was, that was supposed to be the Leon Edwards, Hamzat Chimaev main event that got oh, canceled. So that was- and I, I, was it uh, Jeff Neal, Stephen Thompson? I think Stephen Thompson, Jeff Neal ended up headlining yeah, that card. Yeah, at yeah, the end of correct. December, and then you're right, they took a two or three weeks, whatever it was, and then they came back with the the Max Holloway, Calvin Cater, massive ABC broadcast as as the first fight, you know, back for 2021. But it felt like an eternity, and it was just a couple right. weeks. <laughs>
1: right. So I couldn't even imagine what it would be like if there was like a full off season for the UFC. Um, I mean, I, I I know for sure that that first fight back would be incredibly insane, but just those three months or however long it would have been, yeah, that would have been insane.
0: Yeah, the UFC does not have a, an NFL like offseason. Thank God.
1: Yeah, I'm with you, man, because it's the same thing. NFL, NBA, but the off seasons, man. You're just like, ah, oh, no basketball for this many days. But the UFC just keeps on going. Like, all, we'll always have the UFC. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you ready to make picks? Yep, let's do it.
0: We have, so I think this one is uh, UFC Fight Night 27. Double checking uh, that before I uh, double down on that. Yes, UFC Vegas 27, Saturday, May 22nd at the Apex. By the way. Dana sounds like he's totally happy to do all of the fight nights at the apex for the rest of time. I mean, right. <laughs> not completely. Cause I think, you know, he, he talks a lot about like, you know, having the, and I think he actually mentioned Oklahoma
1: yeah, uh, in his post-fight did, yeah.
0: press conference last week, but how like just having these fight nights at, at these, you know, locations that maybe aren't big enough to host a pay-per-view how much it's paid off as far as the growth of the sport in those cities. So I think they want to get back to that, but obviously, you know, when you can't do full capacity and you can't do the things that they want to do regularly, the the Apex has been a really nice situation for them.
1: Yeah, the Apex has been such a blessing, like, um, because without the Apex, like, who, like, they would have probably had to go to Fight Island all the time, or they would have had to build something, so it's good that they had the Apex in their back pocket so that they can host these fights uh, in a safe way um and you know now we're on number 27 uh of these uh Apex fights yeah. and they've all been good i mean with even though there have been no fans like all these Apex fights have been really really entertaining yeah. um i mean the just the you can hear the kicks and just like the intimacy of it like we, all, like we always talk about like it just adds another layer to the sport that i mean that you don't really get when the fans are in there 100% 100% all right, we have six fights
0: on this main card. By the way, Will Brewer is the scoreboard leader, sixty points for Team Brewer, fifty-one for Team Daniels. So Will surging right now in the right direction, overcoming a like Steph a six-point deficit about a month ago. So you've you are on a hot streak, my friend.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm having a Steph Curry type month. You are a player, you, month, are. you know Russell Westbrook triple-double type month. Um, Well, then let's just consider these the playoffs,
0: and maybe we'll slow down your uh, hot streak.
1: (laughs) Maybe I'll get an injury, get a little nick or bruise or something. There we go. Ah, man.
0: (laughs) All right, here we go. Uh, I'm kind of surprised this is the first fight, at least as of now. Uh, You know, sometimes we record these, and then they reshuffle uh, these things. But uh, as of now, it reads, First fight of the main card, Jack Hermanson, Edmund Shabazian, both at one eighty five. Jack Hermanson is twenty one and six. Edmund Shabazian eleven and one. He was the next big thing in this weight class before his Derek Brunson loss last summer. Will Brewer, your pick, sir.
1: Man, uh, I think um, I think Derek Brunson just opened up uh, a huge, huge hole in Edmund Shabazian's game. Um, Ahmed Shabazzian, first, let me just say, he's very exciting. Uh, if this fight stays standing, he's definitely a problem. But I think uh, Jack Hermanson's um, not even going to let him get comfortable on the feet. He's going to want to take this to the ground where he has a huge advantage. So, um, I'm going to go Jack Hermanson in this. I think he's fought, um, a, you know, he's been around, he's fought some of the best in the world, and Emma Shabazzian's on his way up, but I think this is a tough matchup for him.
0: Yeah. I asked myself when I saw this matchup, like, what's the thought process here? Because for me, I think stylistically, this was the worst possible guy you could have given Edmund Shabazi in following what happened against Derek Brunson. Uh, but if, you know, if, if you want to, pr- if if he feels like he has improved that level of his game enough, then this is the perfect guy to prove it against at the same time. So, um, right. It's really hard, I think, to just see that Derek Brunson fight and know the kind of guy that Jack Hermanson is. And look, it's not like Jack Hermanson is only, you know, like Jack Hermanson has a chin. So even if this is on the, uh, you know, a stand up fight, like I don't think he's going to get the better of the exchanges. But I also don't feel like he's necessarily like just going to get completely pummeled either. Um, right. I think he's going to be, you know, he can take some punches and still be able to have his opportunities to get this thing on the ground. So um, it's hard for me to pick against Jack Hermanson in this specific matchup. Again, going back to what Derek Brunson was able to accomplish. So uh, I'm with you. Jack Hermanson for me as well. By the way, Jack Hermanson is a minus 160 favorite. Edmund Shabazian plus 140 underdog.
1: Yeah, I feel like the UFC is really high on Edmund Shabazian. I feel like yeah. they definitely want to give him a guy like Jack Hermanson to get him back on track. Uh, but, you know, Jack Hermanson is no easy task, yeah. man. Uh, it's going to be tough one. Well,
0: the good thing is Edmund Shabazian gets past Jack Hermanson. He's already faced Eric Brunson. Everybody above him, I mean, the rest of the guys are all, you know, stand up and, and trade type of guys. So, I mean, you get past Jack Hermanson, you redeem yourself as far as that deficiency the rest of the guys you're going to face kind of fit right into your wheelhouse so you get more favorable matchups the rest of the way all right flyweights we have uh ranked opponents here we have at 19 and 3 overall david dvorak and at 20 and 3 overall ralian paiva i believe is the pronunciation that could be incorrect but will brewer ranked flyweights who do you have
1: Oh, man, oh, by the way, tough. let me give you the odds. Uh, Dvorak yeah, is a
0: minus one hundred and fifty favorite, plus one hundred and thirty for again. I hope I hope the correct pronunciation is Paiva. That's what I'm going with.
1: I'm gonna go with you, man. I'm gonna go with that as well. But uh, man, this one's tough. Uh, man, I think I've just seen more of of Dvorak. Um, You know, this is flyaway division, you know, you know, anyone could kind of just break out of the pack and just because I just feel like there's someone, you know, anyone could just break out of the pack and become that number one guy. So um, I think Dvorak is more uh, more skilled, but I think it's going to be a close fight. So I'm going to go with Dvorak.
0: All right. We are two for two. Dvorak for me as well. Third fight on the main card, Saturday night. We go to uh, women's featherweight. We have Felicia Spencer, 8-2 overall. Her last fight was the Amanda Nunes loss for the title. She is facing Norma Dumont, 5-1 overall. Our odds, minus 350 for Felicia Spencer, plus 285 for the underdog.
1: You know, um, most of the time when when the UFC brings in these, these featherweights to fight, um, like they'll bring in a featherweight to fight Felicia Spencer. They're bringing in a featherweight to fight uh, a Megan Anderson. Um, they're not really that, I'm not going to say they're not really that good, but they're just so green most of the time. Like Norma Dumont, like she's only fought six professional fights. Uh, so she's got a lot to learn. So um, I think, Clearly, I'm just going to go with Felicia Spencer. I think she's, you know, she's been around the block. She's fought in Nunez. I think that experience is just going to make her better. Just, this is going to probably be a dominant performance.
0: Three for three, Felicia Spencer for me as well. And again, I, you know, it's it's not like she has a ton of experience either. Um, I, I I do think she's, you know, one of those fighters that still has, you know, a, a lot of of room to grow in the sport, but she's fought the best of the best and I, I don't think you're going to come out on the other side of that worse. So I think we're going to see a better version of Felicia Spencer because what she experienced against Amanda Nunez, um, I'm with you Felicia Spencer for me also. All right. We have heavyweights, Justin Taffa and Jared Vandera. Justin Taffa is four and two overall Jared Vandera, 11 and five overall, as far as the odds go the odds makers say that uh, Justin Taffa is minus two hundred five, Vandera plus one seventy five.
1: Oh man, uh, this one I, I remember watching Justin Taffa in his last one and he lost. Um, Jerry Vandera, I'm trying to remember when what his last fight was. He was uh, on
0: uh, he was on Contender series last year, and then he had uh, Sergey Spivak um a couple months ago in February. okay
1: okay yeah okay i remember him now uh, i think that was a really good uh performance for uh sergey um yeah man i think um i'll i'll roll with justin Taffin in this one uh heavyweight fireworks probably you know you, I, i'm not for sure but um I definitely feel like Justin Taffer brings it every every time he fights. It might be a dominant performance, or he might get knocked out. You know, you, you never know. But anything can happen in the heavyweight division. But I'm gonna go with Tafa. All
0: right, um, I was gonna I was gonna go Taffer as well, but I pr- I feel pretty solid about what I'm gonna do in these final two fights. So it's not gonna be a situation where I'm just gonna go opposite you for the sake of going <laughs> opposite you. Like I know what I'm doing, regardless of what you do. So just for the sake of at least having one of these on the card where we're on the opposite side of things, again, I was going to pick Taffa, but I'll take Jared Vandera for the sake of at least having one fight for sure. Maybe, maybe depending on what you pick, we'll, we'll be on the opposite side of things, but I, my, my next two picks are set in stone. I know who I'm going with. So Jared Vandera in this heavyweight <laughs> matchup for me. Maybe I'll be down by 10 points next week. All right, our co-main event is, uh, this is an exciting fight as well, and this might have championship uh, potential here for, uh, for both of these fighters, honestly, especially Carla Esparza, considering the history with Rose. But uh, the co-main event is Jan Xiaonan, 13-1 and overall, Carla Esparza, 17-6 and overall. Our odds, Will, are plus 160 for Carla Esparza, minus 185 for Xiaonan.
1: Look, um, Carla Esparza. She does a really good job of making this fight, of making the fights dirty. She kind of reminds me a little bit of Neil Magny. Um, she just like it's a, it's just like an ugly fight when she's in it. Um, but you know, she's really really short, so she has to kind of do what she what she does. Um, just make the fight ugly and just try to see what happens. But. Um, a lot of her fights, especially recently, they've gone to decision and she's on a winning streak, but I feel like some of those fights she lost. Uh, Did you
0: have her beating Marina Rodriguez? I don't remember. Because that uh, was a split decision win last yeah, um, I, last July. I
1: remember that one. Uh, I don't remember if I had... I think I was cool either way it went. I think that fight was really close. Like She's... She's known to have really close fights uh, with some of the best. Like, um, she hasn't been finished in a while. I think, you know, the last person to finish her is like maybe like Yoana many, many, many uh, fights ago when Yoana became champion. But um, in this one, uh, I just feel like Jan is on, a, is on another level at this point. If Carla can't get this fight to the ground, um, I just think she's gonna get completely outclassed on the feet. Uh, but I will say, Carla's gotten a lot better since she first started in the UFC uh, on her feet, but I just think Jan's on a, on another level. Yeah. So, um, I'm going to go Jan in this one.
0: I feel like this may sound like a diss, but I feel like a good word to describe Carla Sparza is scrappy. Yeah, like, yeah for I, I, sure. When I say that, I almost feel like like that sounds somewhat disrespectful, and I don't mean it to be that way, but like, I, I just... That's just kind of the kind of fighter I feel like she is. So um, I'm with Shao uh, Nan as well. I think uh, she's just a, a another level. She's undefeated in the UFC, six and zero overall. So uh, I think, uh, yeah, we're gonna have I, we're gonna have some really interesting matchmaking going on uh, at 115 for the women. And uh, I don't know. I don't think it's a done deal that the winner of this is necessarily next for the title. I think if it's Carla sparza maybe that you you can make the case because of the history with Rose, but. Uh, otherwise, we may be looking at a, a one fifteen rematch. All right, our main event, uh, and this is another one of the best divisions in the sport, bantamweight one thirty five. We have Rob Font eighteen and four overall against Cody No Love Garbrandt, former one thirty five champion twelve and three overall. Rob Font is surprising to me. Rob Font's the favorite here. Will minus one twenty five. Cody Garbrandt plus one oh five. I kind of thought Garbrandt might be the favorite in this. Bavada actually has them uh I always go by Odd Shark. Uh Bavada currently has them both at minus one ten. So uh it, another another sports line has uh them both at minus one fifteen. So there you
1: go. Yeah, I feel like this fight's more of a of a pick'em than uh either one being over the other. Um Rob Font has looked really good. Like, uh, I remember picking Marlon Morice uh, in his, in their last fight, I picked Marlon Moraes, and I was pretty confident about it. Uh, because I just thought Marlon Rice was just vicious, but Rob Font proved that he can be just as vicious as, as anyone in that division. Um, and for Cody Garbrandt, he had that three fight skid, you know, he was champion. He was undefeated. And then he, you know, he lost to TJ twice, lost to Pedro, went back to the drawing board. And, uh, was, he looked really calculated against Rafael Sonsal. Um I liked what I saw from him. He showed off his quickness. He showed off his movement. Um, and to get a knockout like that, um, I guess a guy like a Asensal, who's really, really tough, I mean, that's a, that's a big win. And uh, I think he's very deserving of this spot uh, with Rob Klein. Um, as far as my pick, man, uh, I have a feeling that I know where you're going to go. Uh, so I'm, go- I'm gonna, I'm going to make this pick thinking that I'm picking opposite of you. Okay. So, uh, I just feel like this fight's close. Like, I feel like, like I said, I feel like it's a pick em fight. So I have no problems with picking Cody, no love Garbrandt, uh, here in the main event and, um, rolling with that.
0: Very nice. So we're going to be on the opposite sides of two fights on this fight card, uh, <laughs> give me Rob Font. I, I think that... Uh, look, the, the Cody Garbrandt win over Sal was really impressive. But I think if he fights that same style against Rob Font, he's going to be on the bad end of things. I, Rob Font has just looked so good. And I think we're also looking at two fighters that are on different planes in their career, right? Like, Rob Font is is absolutely on the rise to... To being one of the best, and and while I don't think Cody Garbrandt is done, and he's certainly still one of the best one thirty fivers in the world, you know he's been there, he's been the champ. I I don't think he's still on that upward trajectory. So, um, I I, I stylistically from a matchup standpoint, I I just think this favors Rob Font in a big way.
1: Yeah, I mean it, it's warranted for sure because when you think about how this fight could possibly play out, it's kind of similar to the uh, the Pedro fight, right? Where They're kind of just standing and trading. And then if you get Cody frustrated, we see he kind of just, you know, goes away from the game plan and just kind of swings for the fences and then just whoever lands. You know, but I think he's a smarter fighter today. Uh, I think, uh, you know, he used his kicks really well. Uh, That was something that he did. He never really used in his previous fights against the South. So I think we're starting to see um, the evolution of Cody in a way. Uh, I think he needed to, to utilize some more of his skills to be a guy like a Sun but, um, Rob Fox going to take it to him. He's going to bring the fight to him. Cody's going to have to be on his bike. He's going to have to use his speed. And, uh, man, uh, because when I watched Cody Garbrandt against the Sun just seeing how he was moving from side to side, um, just how fast he looked. Yeah. And, you know, it was tough for a Sun to kind of keep up with him. It was, it was tough for a Sun to get set and really land anything heavy. So, um, but you know, if Rob Font lands anything, you know, it's going to be a short night for Cody, for Cody Garbrandt. So, um, very, very fun fight on paper. Um, I can't wait to see it.
0: By the way, Cody Garbrandt is only 29 years old.
1: That's crazy. Is that man. shocking he, to you? I mean, n- not necessarily. Um, may, maybe if he would have been in his thirties, would have been a little more shocking, but, uh, you know, See, I, was about I, I felt earlier. like
0: because he's been around for so long and maybe just because he reached such a high level so young in his career that it feels like. Like, I thought he would have been in his 30s, like, I guess just once again, it's just one of those things where I think when you achieve so much so early on and you've been, you know, you've been a big name in the sport for a long period of time, I think it's you just naturally think these guys are a little bit older than they really are.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, I was thinking earlier, like when was that Dominic Cruz fight? And oh. like I think it was like December of like twenty sixteen or fifteen or something like that. Let's see. And then you just think of about how far he's come. It's it's crazy.
0: Yeah, that's right. December of twenty sixteen.
1: Right. So and now we're in twenty twenty one and you know, so that means he was he won the title at twenty four years old. Yeah. So I mean that's just incredible.
0: Yeah. And then back-to-back losses to T.J. Dillashaw, the loss to Pedro Munoz before the ba- the bounce-back fight uh, last summer. Which uh, look, I thought that was one of the best KOs of 2020 for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, we there was a lot of solid KOs. I mean, but just the kind of no look, kind of just uh, get that full sense of security, like it's not really going to throw anything, and just how fast it came up. The right it was hook. like
0: the it was like like a video game like load punch where you like. Right. Sp- spring like like I, I don't know like almost like a superhero punch if you will like all of a sudden like he just kind of like digs down and gets like this superpower and then explodes yeah, yeah. and hits and and i think if i remember right it was like right at the end of the round oh, as okay. well like within the final 10 seconds so like i think on top of it just being like the way that he threw it and the timing of it was just like
1: whoa yeah that that's how you re- reintroduce yourself to the division absolutely and, like after a three-fight skid like that, that's, like, best-case scenario for yeah. you to get a knockout like that. And like you like you said, like, he kind of just pulled it all the way down from from his hips, really turned into it, and, uh, man, just yeah. the force of it. I mean, Rasansa had no chance after that.
0: This is another one of those main events, too, where I, I, I just generally kind of like both of the guys.
1: Right. It's hard not to like uh, either one of these guys. Yeah. Um, just, you know— Rob Ponts kind of just burst onto the scene uh, as of late, but you know it's hard not to like him. Um, he's been so tell, impressive,
0: like, a, like yeah,
1: yeah, so impressive. And you can just tell he's a hard worker. Uh, he's one of those guys that just love um, that just loves to fight. You know, uh, comes out of the same camp as uh, Calvin Cater. They've been uh, they've been killing it lately. You know, of course Calvin Cater had that mishap with uh, with uh, Max Holloway, but they've both been on a, on a tear. Um, and Rob Font is on the cusp of a title shot, uh, with the win, um, over Cody Garbrandt. So, and then Cody Garbrandt, man, like he's been in the spotlight for so long and, you know, it's, it's hard not to like him too, just to see what type of father he is. Uh, and you know, he always brings it on fight night. So it's just hard not to like either no one doubt. of these guys.
0: It's going to be good stuff, my friend. All right. Picks in the book. So, uh, four points up for grabs on this fight card.
1: Yeah, and and I, but I'm gonna go to bed tonight. Really glad knowing that I'll still have a comfortable lead there you after go. Saturday. That's right. That's right. You will. And In, instead of thinking like, "Oh man, did I make the right pick?" Like, even if you, even if you, I, you know, get swept, um, I'm gonna just go back to the drawing board, and we'll be okay.
0: There you go. That's that's what happens when you're up by nine points. So good for you, Will. Good for you. I'm glad you're gonna sleep well tonight. Yes, sir. all right uh before i let you go um do you want to make a uh nba prediction for the finals like before these playoffs really get going
1: okay i'm i'm pretty sure that the lakers will be uh in the finals out of the western conference Uh, unless like there's just a, a significant injury to one of their stars i feel like um they'll I mean, the the championship experience and everything like they'll beat uh, all the teams in the Western Conference. I I favor them over all the teams, the Western Conference. As far as the East, I mean, I know everyone's um, siding with Brooklyn. Uh, I mean, I just don't know, man. Like, I really want to put them in the finals just because of the offensive firepower. But I just feel like there's such a gaping hole um, in their interior like. I mean, I know Blake Griffin's been doing all he can, and I know, you know, they'll put in DeAndre Jordan and Nick Claxton here and there, but I just feel like when they go up against the Giannis's and the Joel and Embiid's, like, I mean, I, I just don't like – I don't like that scenario. But then again, when you think about it, there's James Harden, there's Kyrie Irving, there's Kevin Durant. What do you do with all three of those yeah. guys? So uh, I guess – forget it. I'll just go Nets-Lakers, but I'm not – Fully convinced that the Nets will make it there.
0: I think you're uh, you're doing that thing where you're trying to maybe overthink the situation. <laughs> most of the time in the NBA, the most talented team gets to the end, and there is nobody in the Eastern Conference nearly as talented as the Brooklyn Nets.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, and then when, when you think about James Harden uh, finally coming back, and just all three of those guys together, like when you try to think of a game plan to stop one of those guys, like, you can't. I mean, you can't stop one of those guys and just be okay with it. Like you have to think of a game plan to stop all three of them. And right. there's just no, there's no defense for that. So, right,
0: no doubt. All right, my friend. Uh, we will uh, catch up next week. Good luck on Saturday, and uh, always appreciate your time.
1: I appreciate you, my brother. Have a good one.
0: Will Brewer joining me on the Colby Daniels podcast. And finish. That is Will Brewer joining me on the Colby Daniels podcast presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products, including Kratom, CBD, and Delta 8. If you're unfamiliar with these products or their benefits, don't hesitate to reach out to Artisan Botanicals, 405-458-9699. They have a staff dedicated to helping you live a better life. So if you're looking for something to help with pain, anxiety, or just an opioid alternative... Artisan Botanicals has what you're looking for. We're also saving you 15% when you order online. Visit abotanicalcompany.com. Use the discount code COLBYSHOW, and you'll save 15%. Again, online, abotanicalcompany.com. Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Everybody stay safe, have a great day, and I will see you tomorrow.
1: The okay. is over.